Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The Bigger Picture with Ryan Huang. Money FM 89.3, good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danker, Bharati Jagdish and Ryan Huang. Let's take a look at what's in focus on The Bigger Picture today. Mm, COVID-19, as usual, uh, continues to be a source of massive uncertainty and on and off jitters in financial markets. We might have to deal with yet another year of this. How should investors be positioning themselves for 2022? Well, that's the big question, right? Because you've got so Mm. many things on the table and COVID-19 right front and centre Omicron right now. Who knows what? next and everyone's trying to move on from pandemic to endemic so how do investors position themselves around this backdrop let's check in with Evelyn Yeo she is the head of Asia investments for Pictate Wealth Management Asia morning Evelyn how are you doing today good morning I'm doing well thank you hey great to have you on now let's talk about what's on the table you've got a lot of issues and you've kind of identified a couple of investment themes to look out for and one of the issues is around supply and demand particularly how that has been disrupted on the supply chain side so what is your outlook for 2022? Is this likely to persist and how will this impact investors? Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. So I think a lot of that really depends on how this COVID development could pan out as well. Right? I mean, basically how well the various nations control the spread of Omicron at this point and if or how the therapeutic drug would pan out hopefully soon or if not by mid of next year. So if the current spike of Omicron continues on one end, it could further disrupt the supply chain. That's what we see now. On the other hand, it could also dampen demand and bring down the, mm. the effect of that. So the net effect, I think, remains to be seen at this point. However, if you look back into 2021, I mean, at that time, as the world, or rather, you know, even towards later part of 2020, as the world at that time led by China and later the developed countries as well, slowly recovers from the pandemic. At one point, we're thinking we'll move from pandemic to pandemic. Mm. So I think it's too early for that. Right At that time, the global recovery and global demand was so vigorous that the supply-demand imbalances emerged and emerged very strongly. And the fact that there was all this declining investment over the past few years in sectors, especially such as oil, has added to the problem. So given this underinvestment and the recent supply scares, we believe that the industrial sector in particular is right now for an increase in their capital expenditure. And so I think that could mitigate further supply demand imbalances, if any, going forward. Yeah, Evelyn, one of the big themes in the past year has been inflation. And that has seen prices going up across the board for many things, goods, food, commodities. If you look at what's happening with oil, that is, for example, up by nearly 50% year to date. So looking at where we are right now, what do you see for commodities in 2022? And what type of risks are you looking out for for broader markets? Yes, um, right. So that's true. I mean, oil has come up a lot this year, I think, also on a low base effect as well. So mm. if you look at oil, I think for the global oil demand and supply, we expect that to return to close to pre-pandemic level, which is around 101 million barrels per day into in the new year. And I think for oil as well, I mean, the low global infantry, the limited supply capacity outside a few of these big producers and the low investment in both fossil and alternative energies are likely to support the oil prices going into next year. It could also be helped in early months of next year as well by the risk that this energy crunch could last throughout the northern hemisphere winter, which is harsher than previously. And therefore, we think, however, after that, right, we think that the oil demand could slacken. And this is due to this combined impact of high inflation, as you mentioned, Mm. the global supply chain bottlenecks and the appearance of the new strains of this current virus. In other words, I think we could have high prices in the case of this harsh winter, 
followed by some weakness thereafter due to lower economic activity. As we move into the second half of 2020, I think the theme about the energy transition, the green energy transition could come into play and that could revive worries about the fuel scarcity as well. The other tension that we could see is tension with regards to Iran over its nuclear program could also add mm. to price pressure. So our view for oil is that it will rise again towards the end of 2022. Year-end forecast is $95 per barrel. So I think overall it will rise but not as rapidly as what we see this year. Yeah, it's been talking about economic activity. Are you seeing business sentiment coming back when you look at the industrial sector, the corporates? Are you seeing that budget's going back to where it was before and then you know, that helps with the capital expenditure and the IT budgets and so on and so forth? Well, is that going to be part of the story in 2022, that return to pre-pandemic levels in terms of spending? I think in terms of spending, one, um, yes, I mean, definitely in terms of the business activity coming back, we have seen that in China in the, towards the later part of 2020 and then in 2021, the world as well, if the US and Europe. However, I think one of the things that could really boost the capital expenditure spending is the supply chain scare that we have seen this year as well. So companies that understand, I think they will continue, to, they would want to start to, to spend more as well, especially for the cash-rich companies to avoid the kind of supply crunch that we saw in 2021. And also what we have noted is that the current level of investment are also very well short of the level that's needed to ensure a smooth energy transition towards carbon neutrality, which is a big topic now for even China or even India at this point. So we we think at this point there will be more M&A activities. There will also be more, you know, capital expenditure spending from these companies. Yeah, and one of the big themes you're watching out for is the central bank tightening. That, of course, is with the Fed outlining possibly three rate hikes next year. What's your take on how this might impact Asian and Singapore markets? Yeah, so in terms of the Fed hiking, if you look at more, I think, to in the part of the world, I think the Fed hike is one of the biggest concerns that we are watching. Overall, I think Fed hike in terms of Singapore markets, I think it'd be positive for the Singapore banks because of the increase in the net interest margin. And Singapore banks already constitute around 40% of the STI. Then on the property side, if you look at property as well, I mean, typically for Fed heights or rate heights, the immediate concern is that it would increase the mortgage cost, which will result in, you know, on the extreme end of things, it could result in increase in NPL if there's over leverage. However, I think there are also other balancing factors to look at as well. Because with, with Fed heights, I mean, with any rate heights, it comes because, you know, there's the intention to, to bring down inflation. So meaning that Fed heights, rate heights typically coincide, definitely coincide with inflationary pressure. So inflationary pressure on the other end also is positive for real assets or property in this case. And more importantly, I think for us, you know, we look at the overall economic um, growth. So our view is that even with the heights, the overall policy should remain relatively accommodative across the board and that should support the mac- should provide some support for the macro environment and it shouldn't derail the growth outlook further as well. Mm. Then um, also on the property side, if we look at the history of set heights, you know, impact on the property, on the REIT sector, on Singapore as well, you know, in, in 2016, there was one height in my set and then three, followed by three in 2017. During that two years period, REIT and SEI did pretty well. I mean, the background, of course, at the time was that picked up in the whole global economic growth. Then if you look at 2018, there was four heights, which was quite rapid. And at the time, REIT and SEI was down by about 10%. Of course, if I look, if we zoom into REITs at the time, on the total return basis, it did relatively okay and outperformed by about 3%. The contrasting backdrop at the time versus the earlier two years was the, that the growth was slowing at the time. And also added to that, there was this escalating tension between U.S. and China during the Trump administration. So our view is that, you know, rate heights, whether is it the pace or the magnitude, must be taken into consideration together with the growth outlook. So on the growth front, if we look at, you know, based on the consensus estimate, 
think REITs are expected to deliver around 10 plus uh, DPU growth, which is very high compared to the historical of 3%. And that is due to the fact that the, the rental rebates and the subsidies are rolling off mm-hmm. now. And so the comparison in terms of base effect will get better into 2022. Okay, want to watch out for REITs and banks as we see the rate hikes unfold. Mitch having Yeo, Yo, she is the Head of Asia Investments for Pictate Wealth Management Asia. Evin, thanks for your time today. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you very much. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.